0: Wow. So great to be back. Thanks so much for coming. Appreciate you guys. You're like, did they forget we have a church? I hope not. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say hello to all of our campuses real quick. And thanks so much. I know it's great to see all your smiling faces and We do want to say hello, of course, to everyone online. I know many people can't come yet because some of you have pre-existing conditions. Some of your pre-existing conditions are called children. So we get it. So uh, we understand that we're not able to have our full children's ministry yet. We're not able to have any of it yet. CDC guidelines. Pretty strict for a good reason, obviously. But man, it's great to see you guys. And so what's it been, two years? It's crazy, right? (laughs) Feels like it's been forever, doesn't it? And so it's just great to have you guys and see you guys back in church. And what a great turnout. Thanks for coming. We really are just honored to have all of you here. Well, guys, I'm going to dive right in because, you know, this has been an extraordinarily bad week in our country. Would you agree with that? I think we're all pretty shocked by what we've been seeing. And, uh, and so I want to dive right into the content today. I have broomed my message today. I just can't in good conscience ignore what's going on in our world and especially here in America right now. So I really want to just just instead have a conversation. So that's what the plan is today. So uh, I, if you were excited about getting like a full-blown sermon, you're still going to get, I promise you, a word from God. And so, but we are going to jump back into the content I had for this week. Next week, uh, and of course, this is homecoming weekend. We're just great to see you guys. I mean that. It's just great to be back in God's house. And so, and I know many of you aren't able to come back yet, but we will see you soon. We know that. And so, just again, thanks for being here. Can we give it up for our volunteers at all of our campuses who worked really hard to pull this off? Really great. They've done a great job. So, again, just thankful to, to be with you guys, and it's just great to see you guys. You know, as I watched in shock, like so many of you did um, this last week, you know, what happened in Minneapolis is just unbelievable. It's not justifiable. Um, It's disgusting. And frankly, it's murder. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. And uh, I had not seen the full video until one of my assistants said, Pastor Bill, I don't know if you've seen this. And I was like, oh, I saw, I heard about it. And they were like, no, 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 you need to watch it. So they made me watch it from the very beginning to the very end. And it just made me want to throw up. Uh, Just watching a man's life literally pushed right out of him. And it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable that that would still happen in our country. We think somehow that we've kind of gotten past this, and obviously we are not past it. And so that's why I want to share a couple scriptures, and then I want to invite someone out here who knows a whole lot more about this than I do. And, uh, but let me just give you a couple scriptures. I just want to kind of lay a framework, if I can, for what we're going to do today. And again, we just really appreciate you being here. And I'm going to ask God just to open all of our hearts. You know what I mean? God, just open our hearts that we're open to seeing things differently, and so uh, I've had to ask God to do that for me. And so maybe you're that way too. I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. Today's, today's topic is overcoming uh, division, which clearly we are the most divided as a nation we've been in a very long time. And uh, it's, it's just pretty shocking. My kids actually said to me, Dad, we've never seen it this bad. And I said, well, I have, but it's been a long time. I think it was LA riots was the last time I saw it this bad in our country. And some of you who are older remember times worse than that. Nahum 1.7 says this, the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. And then Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you just to trust the Lord right now. Trust the Lord with all your heart. I think it's interesting it says lean on your own understanding. I think we're all pretty good at leaning on our understanding rather than listening to someone else's viewpoint. Aren't we? I mean, let's just be honest, right? We all think we're right on a multitude of subjects. And so I think part of the problem is, is that everyone's busy screaming what they think is right rather than listening to the other person. And so we have to learn to trust in the Lord, but lean not on our understanding. Another translation puts it this way, trust in the Lord with, with, with all your heart, but lean not on your own judgment. Isn't that great? Lean not on your own perspective. So I think it's important. And the second thing I want to tell you is to be slow to speak, slow to get angry, and learn to listen. James 1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, always be willing to listen. Be willing to listen and slow to speak. Do not become angry easily because anger will not help you live the right kind of life God wants. I think we can all agree that people have a reason and a right to be angry. I just don't think they have a right to destroy cities. Does that make sense? I absolutely agree with the anger. In fact, I would love to join them in demonstrating if it wasn't for the fact that you end up getting associated with people who are just out for violence. That's the problem, isn't it? Because we all agree. I mean, I think we'd all love to walk the streets right now, wouldn't we? And be like, yes, we agree. This is a, a horrible, a horrible crime has happened, an, in, an, un, an injustice. Well, I want to be slow to speak and quick to listen. So I've invited a friend, a dear brother, to come share with us. And so would you please welcome Pastor Zach Young, dear friend of mine. Hey. How's it going, Pastor? Good Doing well. Hey, thanks for coming out and just sharing with us. You now, before you say, oh, okay, so now you bring the black guy on the stage. Okay, has to have this problem. Now, you've been up here many times before, and uh, you yeah. preached on this stage and done a great job, by the way. This guy is an amazing preacher. And How long have you been on staff here at Church Unlimited now? I've uh, been on staff
1: now just a little over eight years. Wow. Eight years here at the That's church. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Love it. Mm-hmm. Pastor, what you do for the church is amazing. You've been a youth pastor for us. Mm-hmm. You've served so many different, I mean, you served, you helped out in campuses. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, now tell us what you do now.
1: Now I uh, help serve in our pastoral cares ministry. So all of our counseling, premarital, marriage counseling, uh, benevolence, people who need assistance, who yeah. we help with through the church, I help in those areas now. But at the central support level across all of our So campuses. he's overseeing
0: all counseling and pastoral care at all campuses. That's a huge job. And so, and he's doing a great job, by the way, at that. Mm -hmm. So, you know what, Zach, uh, you know, a number of years ago, just so you guys understand, um, I didn't have to scramble to suddenly have a relationship with you. That did not happen. Um, We've been close for a very long time, and I, I don't think I've ever shared this before in church, but a number of years ago, I was really struggling with the boys. I, I asked the boys' permission if I could share this. You guys, m- haven't you guys heard this, the message when I had the whole family out here on stage? Okay, so we've been very honest about, about kind of where we were uh, in raising our kids, and they're great kids, and, and, uh, but they, they had rebelled um, for a season. It was really painful. I did not make that public to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just trying to handle it as a family, but just preaching, but really carrying the weight of it. Yeah. But there's only one staff member that I went to, and it was this guy and I remember going to you and saying I need your help because mm-hmm. I know my boys will look up to you because uh, you were the youth pastor at the time for them and uh, mm-hmm. I just have to tell you that I trust you I trust your wisdom because I, I would not have my boys where they are without you so when I say I'm grateful for you man I, I really mean that and uh, you've been a game changer for our whole family. Thank you. you. So I watched this video, I went home um, angry, sickened, shocked, and I didn't know what to do, but when I watched it, I thought of you. And I know I called you later, and I want you to understand we didn 't know this was going to end up turning into this this weekend. I just called you as a friend mm-hmm. and a brother, and I just said, Zach, when I watched that video, honestly, I thought that could be you yeah and it it it, it saddened me, it made me sick, and what i 'm hearing repeatedly is people saying we people need to be heard, so we are now listening yeah
1: um I think even before I get started, Pastor, and I, I sincerely mean this from my heart, it's not something you asked me to do, it's something that I, I made a decision to do, just even over our services, is just to honor you and your leadership and opening up the door to have a safe place to be able to talk about this and for us corporately as a community to begin to talk. There's been many times where I've seen you step on this platform when I've done Campus Pastor intros. and you backstage tearing up a whole entire message because suicide ran rampant in our independent school districts. And you're like, no, we're going to save our next generation. And we're going to talk about how suicide is not the option, how people can live and have life. And through that, you've honored God and listened to the voice of God. So I think it's befitting just to honor you and thank you for listening to the voice of God and establishing this church and this community
0: for what you've done. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just, Pastor Zach, we had such a great conversation today, and, you know, I called and just simply said, I don't know what to say other than I'm sorry, no. because I had not processed to the level of understanding that you and many people have grown up in a country that I never even gave it a second thought, that you literally sometimes just do not feel safe in your own, in your own country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, uh, when you see rioting, which I don't condone what's taking place across this nation, um, he wasn't a rioter. He was a peaceful protester, and he wanted to see lasting change take place here inside of our country. But Dr. King said, uh, rioting is literally the language of the unheard. Mm. And I think by just having environments like this where we can listen to Each person's point of view and each person's perspective kind of opens up the door for healing to take place. Uh, Right now in our country, I don't believe that it's all strictly hate that's taking place. I know we're using the hate crime and hate this, hate that, but I think people are not necessarily hating, but people are hurting. There's hurt that's inside of the hearts of man. And this is not a hate issue, but it's a heart issue. And I think the way you get to a heart issue is through healing and through Jesus Christ. Um, the word of God says in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and listen to this last part, I will bring healing to their land.
0: It's good. It's, yeah. It's good.
1: I think it's evident that our land needs healing. Yeah. But I think more so than our land needing healing, our hearts need to be healed. It's good. And I think one of the best ways we can go about getting a healed heart is literally just by getting on our knees through a state of humility and saying, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what steps to take next. But God, Lord, search my heart. Father, Lord, I just want to have a position and I want to have a heart of David. David said, search my heart, oh God, and show me the things that I do not see. Because there may be some inward prejudice or racism that you may have just through your upbringing that you may not know of. And by having a position of humility, by getting on your knees and saying, God, show me these inward things, then I believe lasting change could take place. really want to share because I was at my, my home and uh, with my, my parents and we had a family member come in just to protect this family member. He was a male and he said, they're hearing us now. They're hearing us now. And my mom said, I think this is your opportunity to kind of step up and speak into what's taking place and, and speak life, give practical steps, but also speak God's word. And I shared that exact, that exact scripture, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that it's not the fact that we're being hurt now. It's the fact that we need healing now. That's and great. healing starts in environments and atmospheres like this where we begin to have conversations and, and connect with one another.
0: That's so good. You know, I, I like you are saying, what can I do? Like I, I feel a bit powerless and I wanna, I wanna make a difference, how do I do that? And, and, and what I'm hearing is we need to listen. So I do wanna just take a moment and let you just share your personal experiences And just tell us, because I don't think we, I I mean, I was shocked when you told me. I was like, I've known you for how many years and I did not know that. Mm -hmm. So can you just go back and tell us when did you first experience this kind of racism or hate? When did you first experience that?
1: Um, The first knowledge of experiencing some form of racism or prejudice was when I was in kindergarten. Um, I remember being inside of my kindergarten class And I was the only, not only the only African-American male, but I was the only African student inside of my class. It was predominantly Caucasian and Hispanic. And I remember just as a young young boy wanting to spend some time playing like you would do as a kid. And I went to go play, even at that young age, you have social sectors, you know? And I went to go try to play with a, a group of my peers. And they told me, there was a young boy, he was Caucasian within the group, and he said, you can't play with us, Blackie. He goes, you're Black, you can't play with us. And I really couldn't comprehend it at that moment, but I remember just wanting to play and coming back home and telling my mom that I couldn't play with the kids today because he said Blackie and asking my mom kind of what that means and her having to break down what prejudice and racism is to me kind of at that early age and just crying kind of like on her bedroom floor. That's the the
0: first point that I remember. When I was five, no one had to talk to me about racism. That's, That's mind blowing.
1: Um, I just feel God share, telling me to share of a, of a story that I didn't bring up any, any point, but I purchased a, a truck and was filling the, the truck up with gas at a Valero in Flower Bluff. And you know how you have, you have one side where you're putting gas, and then there are two, so you have another person that's immediately on the other side. And there was one that was a little bit just distant from me, so I was across. I remember uh, uh, it, the, it was already kind of starting to become night a little bit, but the sun was just kind of letting down. And I came out of the Valero store, and I had paid for my gas inside. And there was a Caucasian lady getting in a Range Rover who was across from me, and she... She was paying with the card. And the moment I came to my car, I was dressed kind of similar to what I am now. And I went to my car and I got ready to put the gas in there. And she immediately put it on automatic for, for the thing, jumped in her car and she locked her door and she was looking at the window, kind of clenching and holding herself. And I just remember going home, kind of being in tears, honestly saying, why was this woman scared now, I don't know if she had any other run-ins with any other African-American sure. males, but why do people have to be scared of me? Yeah. And is it possibly because she's seen things on the news about other African-American people that could possibly yeah. be a thing that, because I consider self just kind of like a person of love. And sure. if anything there, that I wanted to do, I would want to help her, yeah. you know, so it hurt me in my heart to see her being afraid yeah. of who I am.
0: It, I told I, myself
1: I wasn't gonna cry again. Oh no, man,
0: it's so good. I, I don't. I don't have words. I don't. I, I. You're one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And and you're, you know, you're you're being judged, and so many people just by a stereotype. Of, a fear that, that's ungrounded, unfounded, we don't know this woman, of course, but yeah. no one should have that going in. No, no one should have that. You shared a story last night and earlier that that before, before you shared, I want to uh, I commented afterwards, I want to say this before you share it. Okay. There's a word that a lot of white guys like me would have rolled our eyes on the inside. You know, it's not polite when we hear it. And I, I had to check my own spirit, honestly. And I was like, okay, I need to change in this area. And the word is systemic.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: there's a lot of talk about, oh, well, this, there's systemic racism in this or in that or, or whatever. And I was like, okay, that's a little over the top. People are racist, but system, you know, systems are not being created. But then you share the story, and all I could say was, that's systemic. Can you tell that story? Um,
1: I I remember graduating from uh, Carroll High School here and then going on to Sam Houston State University. I transferred from ACU because I was first playing football up there. And I went to Sam Houston State because I wanted to get my degree. I received my degree in criminal justice with a minor in sociology. I wanted to be a law enforcement officer, a state trooper. You want to be a police officer. I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be the, the next black Texas Ranger. Come you know, on, Walker, there you Texas go. Ranger. Walker Texas Ranger. Walker Texas Ranger, Walker, Come Texas Ranger. On. Ranger. But the black edition. That's right, know, I like yeah. that, I like that. <laughs> you would have been amazing at that, but I'm yeah. glad you followed God's call. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's kind of the direction that I wanted to go. So uh, I remember it was around my sophomore, junior year, I was traveling from Corpus Christi going back up to Huntsville, Texas. And as I was traveling going up that direction, um, I ended up going through a, a few counties. And I don't know if they had like just a, a raid going on where they were kind of pulling, a traffic raid pulling people over between these counties. But it was within a 60, 70 mile radius. And I remember within one hour's time frame, of me driving my car through these diverse counties, that um, I had gotten pulled over six times between between that hour time frame, and I have the utmost respect the utmost respect for law enforcement. A lot of great law enforcement friends here within the church who serve um, here who are who are really dear friends of mine. Yes, and I have respect for for the law. But that day, I was in anger and I was in rage after getting pulled over about the third or fourth time. So once we got to number six, I, it was almost kind of hard to hold myself and contain myself. And the reason why it was is because I had five warning citations, and none of them were tickets. They were all warnings.
0: So you knew they just there was not. They were trying to find something.
1: Exactly. So when the sixth six police officer pulled me over, I remember having right in my console all five of the warning citations. And I, I, had, I was holding him in my hand while he was walking up to my car. And when he walked up to the car, he said, uh, do you have your driver's license and registration? And I showed him all five of the citations. And I was like, what are you pulling me over for now? What, what reason? No, tell me right now, why are you pulling me over? What is the purpose? Yeah. Because before you, I, I had five other officers pulling me over. Tell me right now, what is it? And I didn't mean to come off that way because I wanted to be respectful, but I was just so angry. And I didn't know how to really express myself out of the anger. So that's why I can understand rioting. That's why I can understand because Sometimes it's not something that should be condoned of doing, but when you get to a certain point, it's just like you blow up after a while because of what you've experienced of, of going through.
0: Okay, how many of us? Let's be honest in here. If your son or daughter was going to Sam Houston State and got pulled over six times, oh, I'd be like, I want every one of those slips. I'm calling a judge. I'd be furious. I'm I'm being honest. I'm probably helicopter parenting here, but I'm telling the truth. I'd be furious. Come on. Where are my real mom and dads out here? You get your kid picked on six times. And that's when I had to say, dang it, that is systemic. That is taught. And I'm sure it's not in a handbook, but culturally it's taught. I mean, that is the very definition of profiling. It's terrible. I don't know, I, 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 it makes me sick.
1: He, after I shared that with him and was holding all five of the citations, he didn't run a background or go back to his vehicle or take my license and registration. He said, Mr. Young, have a good day. You're free, you're, you're free to go ahead and go. And just let me kind of go on my way. Wow.
0: It's, it's just, it's mind blowing. Today is not about the catchphrase of we can do better. Today is about us saying we're going to do better. Mm -hmm. Like we're making a choice today. To hear your pain, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately is not unique. This is something that happens to many people, probably in this room and watching online. And my prayer is that you know you're being heard right now.
1: I... I think there may be some people inside of the audience asking, uh, I, I've, I've heard kind of some of the stories, but what can I do? Is there anybody out there that may be saying like, what step can I do to, yeah. to bring about lasting change? Is there anybody here that's kind of like that? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to encourage you to facilitate environments such as these. And you may say, well, I'm not the, the president of the United States. I can't change any laws or bills, or I don't, I'm not in Congress or the Senate. I'm not the president of the NAACP. I, can't, I feel like I can't really do much. But you have influence in the people inside of your household. You have influence with your, your children. You have influence with your coworkers. So I believe just by having those, those conversations with where you are, can begin to make a ripple effect, because the people who you have influence with will begin to talk to other people who they have influence with, and before you know it, small conversations end up bringing lasting change, I believe, forever. So um, just simply creating environments like this is a big, big difference.
0: You know, just talking, thank you, talking to your kids, you know, but we're talking about backstage, but not just your kids, talk to your spouse, take a look in the mirror. I mean, it may be like, I can't tell my kids because they've heard things I've said. And so we just have to be honest with ourselves and just finally recognize it's really not okay. It's really not. Yeah. Like this just needs to be the end of it to where in our families we think it's okay if someone that's different than us isn't around. Well, it's just all of us, so we can just have this whole internal dialogue. No, you can't. It's, that's called racism. That's what that is, and I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of the guy sitting in a room full of white people and listened and heard someone say a comment, and I didn't say something. Mm -hmm. I've been guilty of it. And and, and maybe it's not white to black. It could be Hispanic to white, you know, black to Hispanic. Pick the colors you want. You get the point. It's just too easy to let it slide with other people because the thing that got me was, man, not... George Floyd had his life taken, and there were how many officers standing there
1: yeah.
0: that could have knocked the guy off him? Yes. That's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's accepted when we don't do anything.
1: We don't do anything now. <clears throat> yeah. I think, uh, kind of in conclusion, Pastor, I think another great thing to remember is Whoever, whoever in this room or online who has experienced yeah. social injustice, you have, to, you have to not take on, I know, the whole, the whole victim mentality, but you also have to remember this one thing, that before you're whatever color, because I believe even Caucasian people, I look at both sides, even Caucasian people receive some prejudice at times, you know? They go through things too. It's not just African-American people who experience injustice or social, yeah. social injustice. I think you have to remember that before you're whatever color of skin you are, before I'm black, I'm a believer. Amen. Before I'm a black man in America, I'm a Christian black man in America right. who's a believer who loves Jesus. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So kind of regardless of whatever's transpiring around me, before I look at the the color of my skin, I have to look at the creation and the the image of my father, which is Jesus Christ. And I have to say, you know, God, what's transpiring isn't right, but I know that you're for me. And the word of God says, if you're for me, then you're more than all the world that could come against me. And God, I'm going to put my confidence and my faith in you because what's happened to uh, George Floyd, what's happened to Ahmaud Barry, all of these people. Yeah. This is not something that's new that's transpiring. Jesus received social injustice. Yes, he, did. He, he took on a crucifixion that he shouldn't have had taken on. You know? yeah. Of course, it was for our sins, but what happened to him wasn't justfully right. It's and sin. what's happening today. And we're not going to ever have a perfect world. We're always going to have an imperfect world because sin is prevalent here, but we can do better as a, as a people with going forward, forward
0: because I believe we're all better than this. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Pastor Zach, I know you're looking at the clock, but I'm going to broom the clock right now, okay? okay? Don't be nervous. I'm not going hours. I just, <laughs> I, I, I want to I extend just a minute because I, I can't let you not share... Even recently, as just this last year, yeah. something has happened. So I think it's easy for us to think, oh, well, you know, that was 10 years ago. That was 20. No, no, guys, this is happening still today. Something that happened to you while you're on staff here at Church Unlimited. If you'll share that, and we'll conclude. But I, I just, I, I think it's really powerful people understand the assumptions we build in.
1: I don't want to. Sorry, man,
0: it. I just, I. I can't, I can't let you off. It's too powerful. And I love you, brother. Thank you for sharing your heart. It's so good. Can we just agree we're with him right now? That this is... We really are. We really are, man. Um,
1: I, I, I grew up in public housing for the majority of my life. Uh, my parents stayed inside of an uh, apartment complex for... 24 years, when my dad realized how long we had been inside of apartment complex, he calculated the finances and and came to mind to say that we could have paid two mortgages uh, for the time and the duration that he didn't step out and buy a home. So when I graduated from college and got into my career and finally realized that Corpus was a place that I was going to kind of plant and God had called me here and called me to ministry my dad really encouraged me, son, get a home. Get a home. Don't, don't do like your dad did and stay in public housing for the majority of your life. Go ahead and get a, get a home and, and have something better than, than what we had. And thank God they've been blessed with now being able to have a home. And um, he really pushed me to, to get mine. So my younger sister got her first home, and every son wants to make his father proud. So... I, once I got here on staff, and we joked around a saying, uh, I start to have a, a consistent salary, and Pastor Bill started paying me the big bucks. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I got, a, got in contact with a realtor who comes to our church, yeah. and they helped me find uh, a nice home. And the home is off of Yorktown and Cimarron and Pro. In a primarily Caucasian neighborhood, and one of the, I think only African American people there on my on my block, I had been traveling back and forth to work over a two, it was about a two month period of first being there inside of the house, and it was just I was, I didn't get an opportunity to meet all of my neighbors immediately when I came in, so I was just coming back and forth here to the church, back and forth here to the church, and. I was doing the 6 p.m. service, so I'd be here a little bit later in the evenings and on Saturday evenings. So I go in, just pull in my garage, leave out, pull in my garage, come back and forth. And I was going to go get the trash from, from the street one, one Friday morning when we had trash pickup. And when I went out there, my neighbor caught me getting ready to come in and said, Hey, you're a new neighbor here in town? And I was like, Oh, yes, 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 pleasure meeting you. And shook the neighbor's hand and started to talk with them. Long story short, um, I said we we're just we we were just curious of who you were, and I said, oh, you know, my name's Zach Young. Well, what do you do? And I said, I have the honor of working at Church Unlimited here in Corpus Christi, and um, I'm one of the associate pastors there for the for the church. And then the neighbor was like, oh, well, at least finally we have an understanding of who you are and kind of what you do. This. this whole time we thought you were a drug dealer we didn't know what you did because you come home late and then you go inside your garage and you shut your garage down and and then you leave so we didn't know we didn't know who you are what you did we just we kinda assumed I talked to a couple of neighbors we thought you were a drug dealer who were who was new living on our street and I kinda thought in my mind what that same perspective kinda would happen if Maybe if I was different color, or maybe, you know.
0: We have 90 staff members here at Church Unlimited that all have the same schedule you do, and not one of them has ever been thought of as a drug dealer. That's not fair. It's just not. Thank you for letting us see the pain so we can understand it, so we can let it change us. And I can tell you this, I know your daddy, he's very proud of you, you. As we all are. The Bible says that we are given the ministry of reconciliation. That we've been reconciled with Christ. Reconciled with God through Christ. And we also are reconciled with each other. But guys, do you know that the most segregated hour in America today is Sunday morning, 11 a.m.? Think about that for a second. Shouldn't it be the most unified, the most diverse hour But instead, the very people who talk about love are the very people who are divided the most. And I will tell you this, I'm not getting on you. I'm actually really proud of this church because we have never been that church. We're we're actually 65% non-white and you got a white boy pastor. If you don't believe that, just watch me dance. You'll know I'm a white boy. God has blessed us with so much diversity and I love it. And anyone who's bothered by that, I would say, if you're miserable here, you're going to really hate heaven. Because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people that don't look like you. That's just the truth. We are designed for relationship. We're designed to understand each other. So if I could close us with this, it would be this. A couple things. One, I want to challenge you to talk with your kids. At a very young age, younger than you think you need to, I didn't know I needed to talk to my kids at five. It never dawned on me. I didn't know what they were capable of saying or doing or, or receiving from someone else, never dawned on me. Talk to each other, not just your young kids, talk to your parents, talk to your, your spouse, look in the mirror and just ask, you know, I mean, can we all agree we learned something today? I mean, I didn't, I, I had no idea. I should have known because we've been friends for so long but many people don't feel the freedom to share their pain. And so it's okay to ask. Second, second takeaway I want to encourage you to do is to make that call. Even though you feel like, oh, it's awkward because all this stuff's going on, all of a sudden my friend's going to be like, oh, now you call me? Go ahead and make the call. Risk it mm-hmm. because people need to be heard. It's a game changer. It really is. We can't do better until we know better. We can't, we can't, empathize with someone unless we listen to them. So I want to encourage you to do that. The Bible also says this. I'll close. It says they will know us by our love. Yeah. So the real preaching today is, is I hope and pray you as you leave to go love one another. To go love your neighbor. The one that doesn't look like you. Yeah. The one that didn't came, come from the same background that you came from. The one that doesn't vote like you. Doesn't talk like you. Doesn't have the same opinion you do. Go love that neighbor. Go love that family member. Go love that friend. And if we do that, I think this world will be a little bit better. I can't change the world, guys, but we can change our communities. That's what we can change. You are in control of you. And so I want to encourage you to hear this, receive it. Don't push back against it. Receive it. Let that pain settle in so that you can have an understanding at a deeper level. I just want to take a moment right now and just ask you, have you given your life to Christ? Just as Pastor Zach so eloquently said, have you, have you trusted Christ? Because that's where it all begins. And so I just want to take a moment that God, and tell you that God wants you to be in right relationship. And that comes through his son. His son Jesus died on the cross. Who was, he died an unjust death. But he died for you and for me. And so let's just take a moment and pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can pray and you can receive Christ right now. Would you just pray just with me? You can say this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Forgive me my sins. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.